Welcome to the Pain-Free Zone. Your host, Nisi Edwards, is founder of the Fibro Patient Education and Support Organization, and she's here to offer help and hope to the millions of individuals who suffer from chronic pain. Now, here's Nisi Edwards. Welcome, everyone, to the Pain-Free Zone, where we help you move from pain to wellness. I am your host, Nisi Edwards, and on today's show... We have an exciting topic that is near and dear to my heart. So the topic is for today, mindful journaling for pain relief and wellness. So I want to share a little bit with you about it. Mindful expressive writing is a proven way to improve your emotional, physical, psychological and spiritual health. And on this show, you're going to learn more about the writing and wellness connection is very powerful. You're going to discover how writing can help with healing and chronic pain management. The pain body has a story to tell, as does the pain-free part of you. The body story often has wisdom to offer to activate inner healing. And you're going to learn specific journaling exercises that can support healing, comfort, and pain reduction. And our guest today is Linda Monk. She's an MSW, RSW, and CPCC. She is a registered social worker and certified professional life coach with a specialty in therapeutic journaling and life writing for self-care, healing, personal growth, and creative self-expression. Linda is also the co-author of Writing Along Together, Journaling in a Circle of Women for Creativity, Compassion, and Connection, as well as co-author of the international bestseller inspiration for a woman's soul, choosing happiness. She's also the author of Life Source Writing, a reflective journaling practice for self-discovery, self-care, wellness, and creativity, and producer of the Creative Wellness Guided Meditation CD. Linda's the director of both Creative Wellness and the International Association of journal writing. So welcome, Linda, to the Pain-Free Zone. How are you today? Hi, Nisi. Thank you so much for having me here and for your introduction and for hosting a show like this. It's so important. Thank you. You know, Linda, I've known you for a while now. And uh, I remember when we met uh, a few years back, uh, I'm sure you remember, I was holding an event and you were kind enough uh, to respond to my request um, for products and services uh, to use in gift bags for the people who attended our um, pain event. It was for uh, Chronic Pain Awareness Month. And uh, I learned a lot about you during that time in terms of uh, your work with journaling. Yeah, it's been a big part of my work. It wasn't it wasn't always that way. It's always been a big part of my own life. I've been journaling since I was a a young girl and into my teens and it's been part of my uh, own self-care and burnout prevention as a social worker and helping professional and over the years it became something that became more and more part of my my work in the world and now it really is the heart of what I do. And uh, it, like many things in life that become meaningful to us, they're informed by both our personal and our professional experiences. And that's certainly been true of the journal writing journey, I'll call it, uh, in my own life and work. 
So, Linda, if I may ask, how did you get started on this path for journaling for healing? Well, I actually, a few of my own experiences put me on that path. When I was a late uh, teenager, um, around 18, I was in a, a car accident. And uh, as a result of that, unbeknown to me, I had suffered a serious whiplash. And a few years after that, I started suffering from migraines. And I was a student at the time. I was going to university, studying to be a social worker. And I was in extreme pain most of the time. Anyone who suffers from migraines knows how debilitating they can be. And I'm trying to read and be on a computer and concentrate as a student and was really struggling And I saw this poster from the psychology department. They were looking for volunteers in a study about using uh, visualization and meditation to help alleviate chronic pain, alleviate, in this case, the migraine pain. So I signed up for it. And I, in that experience, definitely did experience pain reduction while I was participating in that study. And I realized not only did I do the visualizations that they were giving me and Track, you know, track my pain over time, uh, pain levels and so forth. I also was journaling. I was journaling about how it felt to have the pain. I journaled and expressed my frustrations with it, my fears. What if this never goes away? Uh, how will my life change? You know, as you well know, it can be very frightening yes. and despairing to suffer from chronic pain. And so I realized that not only was mindfulness and meditation and the visualization really helping, but I instinctively knew the writing was really helping as well. So that was my first experience of seeing journaling as something that could be part of my health and wellness. And I was in my early 20s at the time, and I went on to graduate from school, became a social worker, and started my social work career. And I was working in very high-stress, high-trauma work, doing child welfare, and a lot of crisis intervention. And I would find that I, I knew I needed something that would help me be able to digest the high emotion of that work, actually process what I was seeing and hearing and feeling uh, to prevent vicarious trauma and, and burnout and other occupational hazards that can be part of work of that nature. And again, I instinctively went to the page. If I had a really uh, difficult uh, work situation where I was exposed to a high uh, traumatic incident, I would go to my journal and I would literally get it out. I wouldn't write, you know, the particular client details due to confidentiality, but I focused on how I was feeling, what I had experienced, and was processing those emotions. And the years passed, and I really learned that my journaling practice was, in fact, something that was helping me to stay grounded, stay balanced, do the work, do it to the best of my ability without getting harmed from it. And... When I did my master's degree a few years later in social work, I devoted it to looking at the area of burnout prevention. And as I was doing that research, I came across all kinds of mention of how having a reflective practice like journaling where we write about our thoughts and feelings is in fact a resiliency strategy. It can help prevent burnout. 
And I just had all these light bulbs going on. I'm like, well, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> and I thought people need to know this. It wasn't something I'd ever really been taught specifically in my studies. And uh, I went on to, to uh, leave my work at the time. I was working as a medical social worker in the emergency department and ICU of a hospital. So again, very fast paced, lots of trauma, loss, lots of emotion in the work. And I wanted to share with others, social workers, healthcare professionals, counselors, and so forth, what I had learned about how we can prevent burnout individually in our workplaces. And I started my own business uh, in uh, 2000 to go out and do workshops to teach others what I was learning about prevention strategies. And of course, in these workshops, I would mention journaling, and I would take people through a guided and contained intentional journaling exercise in my um, burnout prevention and wellness workshops. And in the evaluations, people often gave feedback that they loved that part of the workshop. They really liked the guided meditation I did. They liked the journaling. And I thought they liked other parts too. Uh, but I thought, I really like that too. And what would happen if... I made this more of a focus of my work. What if I really honed in on and learned as much as I could about how writing can be therapeutic and healing? And so over the years, things as happens in our lives, many years passed and I um, did a... Uh, all kinds of different training workshops and uh, eventually when I became a certified as a life coach... Journaling was really a key part of the work I was doing with my individual clients. Clients would come, they would want more clarity, they might have been dealing with a life transition or making a decision or healing from burnout. I had supporting people in that area. And once again, I found myself taking people on these guided journaling journeys as part of the work I was doing. That sounds very and so powerful. Creative yeah, creative wellness be then became devoted to programs and coaching programs and so forth that was devoted to writing for wellness. So it's been a long, um, you know, 25 plus uh, year experience of evolving this, this work and this practice in my own life. And here I am now. I recently... Uh, acquired the International Association for Journal Writing, which is a community, a membership community for journal and life writers, and it offers courses and uh, other things that are all about supporting people to go to the page and write for their own personal growth and well-being and creativity. So who knows where the path leads next, Nisi? We, we're <laughs> always on a journey, and we don't always know why certain things are happening, including experiences with illness and chronic pain we don't always know why you know often we wonder why me why is this happening that's and, so true and wish it wasn't <laughs> and so uh, one of the things that journaling can help us with and part of what the research teaches in terms of why it can be healing is that it helps us to try as best we can to emotionally unburden. As we know, chronic pain, it's not just about, it's never just about the physical body. It impacts the whole 
self that impacts all dimensions of wellness, emotional, physical, psychological, spiritual, potentially. And so through journaling and writing about our experiences, we can write about the emotional impact, the physical impact. And the second thing we can do is attempt to make some meaning out of our experience. That's so true. And and these two things we can do through journal writing, and both of them, when we emotionally unburden and we try to make meaning of our experience, particularly the painful experiences of our life, those two things provide a therapeutic quality that can help us decrease our feelings of distress, for example. They can increase our ability to cope. They can help us reduce the stress that's associated with the illness itself. And so it creates this normalizing process and helps us feel a little more um, in command, if you wish, of things that can really feel out of our control. That's so true. And, you know, what this reminds me of, um, I don't know if I fully shared the story with you, but in 2012, I started uh, a brand new position. And um, this, at the time, I didn't really know what to make of it, but what happened was, to make a long story short, Linda, my first day on the job at this company, my gut um, was letting me know, you know, that, hey, this is not going to be a good fit for you. And, you know, I kind of ignored that. But what happened was I started journaling. And I was going through some old journals and, and paperwork recently and I came across my uh, my old journal going back to 2012 all the way through 2014 and I was reading through it and I will admit it was painful to read it but when you had just said about life transition and you know it helps you to emotionally unburden well when you have a chronic illness chronic pain whatever it may be it is a major life transition. And when I was going through what I was dealing with, it was indeed a major transition. So here I am, Linda. I'm going back and I'm reading my journal post. And I thought, wow, it was painful to read. But then something occurred to me. And that was, wow, I was a different person back then. I was mm. dealing with a lot. My heart, my spirit, my soul was heavy. And look where I am today. I see so much light, whereas then I saw so much despair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that experience, Nisi. And it's one of the valuable elements of journal writing is that it actually is documented, our experiences, our feelings. And if we choose, one, to keep our journals, some people don't, but if we choose to keep them, we also then have a choice about whether or not we reread them. And rereading our journals can give us lots of things. It can show us, like your experience did, that you were in a different place, that there was a time that it was darker and more despairing, and you were in transition. And you could see that by rereading and seeing where you are in a different place, that one, you you know your own resilience, you see your own inner strength story on the page, you see that you got through that, 
you also see the impermanence that we can be in a despairing dark time and that life will move us to new times and new experiences that can feel lighter, can feel better. And when we have tools like journaling and other practices that help us observe our lives, help us pay attention in a very intentional and conscious way, like journaling, where the moment we journal, we say, I'm here, I'm present to this life that I'm living. I'm willing to think about it, write about it, express it, be familiar with it. And that itself, that level of presence and mindful in the moment awareness in itself provides a healing quality. So the rereading of journals lets us see not only our growth, but it can also see our patterns. We can see where we might be stuck. We can see where we haven't changed, where we haven't made choices to do things differently. And that repetitive nature of patterns also mirrors something back to us that we then can make a choice about. Do I want to hold on to this way of being? Is there some part of this that's serving me? What am I afraid of? What would happen maybe if I did change this? That's and true. so we can, you know, we can get curious about our experiences and explore them more deeply through journaling. It forced me to um, confront myself. Mm-hmm. Um, my definitely my frustrations and oh my goodness, my fears as well. And to process that. Mm-hmm. And um, in the beginning, it was really difficult to process, process all that because when you're in a toxic environment, in my case, a toxic working environment, you know, you have your own stressors. And, and bringing into chronic illness in the mix, that's a double whammy on top of mm. things, you know. So you're processing your illness, how to cope with the chronic illness in the, in the workforce, as well as your fears of, okay, am I going to get fired today? Mm-hmm. Uh, will I be able to find another job? Not just any job, but a job that's going to pay me comfortably, you know, what I'm making now, especially if you're making a good salary and your frustrations in terms of, okay, I have this chronic illness now starting over again, you know, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of hard. And I find that a lot of women, are, are stuck here, you know, cause they, they have frustrations. They don't have any way to channel it. Linda, I just felt that I had left my tears, you know, my tears and my pain, uh, all over my journal because it was me. And the best part about it was nobody else was reading it but me. And I can just mm-hmm. be really honest. I didn't, you know, I didn't worry about, okay, let me say it this way. I, it was just really raw. And I got it out. Yeah, and what you're sharing, Nisi, is so important because writing that heals or can be therapeutic, we don't want to censor it. We want to feel free to speak our truth, to write it down, to get it out, and it can be messy and it can be, you know, I think of times in my own journal, I always write with um, like a pilot um, ink pen. We all find our favorite tools of the trade. (laughs) 
But I can remember times crying when I was journaling, when I was writing about something painful or, you know, after someone had died, for example, or times of deep loss, going through a divorce and so forth. And when I read back in my journals, which I do not often, but from time to time, I literally can see these watercolor markings on the page where I cried and my teardrop hit the ink and made it spread out like watercolor. And, uh, you know, a different type, an emotional art making, I guess, but, um, the, something that you shared in your story, of course, when dealing with chronic pain and then being in a toxic work environment or having any other high stress situations to cope with, we know that stress impacts our immune functioning, impacts our experience of pain. And stress reduction, stress management is a critical part, as you well know, of the, of chronic pain management. And so journaling is a tool that many studies have shown can in fact reduce our stress levels and can reduce things like cortisol levels help reduce uh, uh, high uh, blood pressure, and and some studies have shown that, improve immune functioning, uh, less visits to doctors. So there's numerous evidence-based studies that show show the efficacy of writing about our thoughts and feelings to, one, reduce stress, and two, to activate the body's natural healing abilities. And that's pretty powerful because even if we just look at journal writing as a stress reduction strategy, which it can be, that in itself has a gain for chronic pain reduction and the experience of it. It does. And, you know, I also view it as um, the your body as being your own storyteller because you, the pain body does have a story to tell us and you have to listen to your body at least that's how it works for me you know I have to listen to what it's trying to tell me where it's trying to move me to because sometimes um, as women we tend to hold on to things far too long when we need to mm-hmm. let them go <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and, and move on yeah I remember uh I had a a chronic uh, injury that came with both chronic and acute pain over about an eight-year period, and it it was an injury from lifting some light weights and watching a fitness video. I was trying to get in shape, and things didn't go very well. And uh, Anyway, it ended up being a rotator cuff injury and a muscle pull up in the right shoulder. It impacted my neck, numbness and pain down my arm, and it really was a mess. And... I remember seeing an osteopath and, you know, she was looking at my whole body and I went for many different treatments, physiotherapy, massage therapy, uh, you know, an osteopath, reflexology, you name it, everything, (laughs) you'll do anything to just try to see if you can get some relief. And I remember the osteopath, beautiful woman, Cal Steele, and she said to me, in the bigger context of things, just because you can do this, meaning cope, hold on to this, you know, Mm -hmm. keep going, doesn't mean you should. Yes. And that really stayed with me because, and I did a lot of journaling after that to look at, 
and I would literally write down the question, where am I holding on? Where am I letting go? You know, what might happen if I let go? And that let go could be emotionally, it could be of a circumstance, it could be, you know, of a situation. And so another thing we can do in our journal is literally give the pain body a voice. It's speaking all the time anyway. It's speaking with that migraine headache. It's speaking with that shooting pain down my arm. You know, whatever it might be we're dealing with. So let's get in a conversation with it. So for example, there's a technique in journaling we can use called dialogue writing. And when I've worked with people who are uh, dealing with pain, I'll often invite them to create a dialogue between themselves and this part of their body, for example. So for example, I did a dialogue writing between myself and the pain in my shoulder. And I would, you know, pain in my shoulder had a voice, just like a script in a play. There was me and pain in my shoulder. And the conversation went back and forth. So if this pain could speak, what would it say? Mm. What does it not want to say? Because what we don't write about is as important sometimes as what we're willing to write about or give voice to. So what, you know, you can just unpack it. What, what secrets does this pain hold? What purpose does it serve? How would my life be different without it? And this dialogue writing gives you a chance to give the pain body a voice in a new form through words and language and story. And you can literally get to know and create a different type of relationship with that pain. So, for example, I was recently teaching, uh, created and taught a course on uh, mindfulness, an online program. And it was for helping professionals, teaching them how to use mindfulness for their own well-being and self-care and then how to bring it into their work with clients and patients if it felt appropriate. And one of the things that I learned while putting that course together was the relationship between mindfulness and how it can help with chronic pain. And what the research showed, and mindfulness can be in terms of formal practices or informal, so formal practices can include things like mindfulness meditation, Uh, Informal might be something like mindful journaling, you know, using the journal to observe our thoughts and feelings. And the whole purpose of mindfulness, no matter what practice we use for it, is to get in touch with that still, quiet, you know, inner, present moment awareness. So we do that through connecting with our breath and we, with meditation, We're not trying to empty our mind of thoughts. We're becoming the observers of our mind so that we can be more responsive versus reactive. We just notice our thoughts without judging them. And the same is true in the journal. As we write and express ourselves and our feelings, there's an invitation to not judge, to not censor, to not have that self-critical voice come, but to really be with compassion non-judgment, self-love, self-kindness as best we can. 
And what the research showed in terms of mindfulness as a tool for pain reduction is that it actually, the studies show that chronic pain, the experience of pain, can go down with regular mindfulness practice. However, it's not because we enter the mindfulness practice saying, I want my pain to go away. What happens is, if we sit in meditation and we bring the qualities of acceptance, non-judgment, and we just sit with that pain, and instead of sitting with it saying, I wish it wasn't here, this is ruining my life, you know, my relationship's been impacted, my career's been impacted, mm-hmm. you know, running all the anger and frustration, yes. And, yes. but just, okay, I feel my pain, here it is, put some loving care around it, put some acceptance around it. And what the research showed is that when people could do that over a period of time, it actually impacted the pain uh, signals that go out from the brain and reduced people's levels of pain. And it, and it was, in fact, in the acceptance of the pain through mindfulness, you know, through expressing some of this, that the pain was reduced. And I thought that was really fascinating. It's very fascinating. I mean, just that's very powerful. I mean, in itself, you know, that um, your body has that type of capability. Definitely it does. Definitely it does. Well, Linda, we're going to pause for a minute uh, for a break and a commercial break. And we'll be right back because I want to continue this um, a wonderful conversation on mindful journaling for pain relief and wellness. Welcome back to the Pain-Free Zone. Here's Nisi Edwards. Welcome back to the Pain-Free Zone. I am your host, Nisi Edwards. And on today's show, we're speaking with Linda Monk. And we're talking about mindful journaling for pain relief and wellness. So, Linda, right before we went to our break, you were talking about um, acceptance. And you were talking about the brain. So I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. I, I went to... um. Probably, I think it was, this is 2018. So no, this was 2016. Um, I learned about the amygdala mm-hmm. part of the brain. And uh, I remember going to this um, training program where it taught me a lot about the amygdala. And what I sometimes do today that I learned from that training program is that when you were talking about the dialogue, sometimes what I do is, I dialogue with myself and some of the things that I have said to myself was that I no longer want you to worry. You know, I'm going to protect you because sometimes I feel that this may sound crazy, but sometimes I feel that, you know, I'm looking at my former self. I'm looking at who the woman that I am today. And when I get really, really stressed and certain things come up that I have to just stop it, you know, right there and be mindful of the things that I'm saying to myself and about myself. You know, I feel (laughs) that I have to protect that part of me that went through that experience Um, because sometimes, you know, all can be going well 
And then something may creep up, you know, related to something that happened years ago. And then I'll stop and I'll think and I'll pause on it. And then I'll ask myself, okay, what are you trying to tell me or what are you trying to show me? Whereas in years past, I would have just totally ignored it, you know, not paid attention to it, those signals. But I find now that pain has led me to my purpose and Mm -hmm. that it's important that we listen to our bodies. You know, it's, it's trying to tell you something when something doesn't feel good, you know, pay attention. Listen, I shared with you my situation about starting a job that clearly was not a good fit for me, you know, and I just overrided it. You know, I just said, oh, well, whatever, you know, I'm going to make this work. No, I didn't make it work. I made matters worse. So I've since learned from that. But when you were mentioning about the dialogue, that's what came to my mind, because oftentimes I do have a dialogue with myself. Yeah, and we are always in dialogue with ourselves. We, if we, and if we sit and just observe the thoughts in our mind, we can take a look and ask what's the quality of that conversation? Is it loving, kind, forgiving, accepting, patient? Is it harsh, critical? Is there constantly messages of not being good enough or being to blame? Or, you know, and quite often when we really take a look at how we might be talking to ourselves, that inner dialogue, which is always going on, whether we put our attention or awareness on it or not, it's just the nature of the mind. That conversation, that inner dialogue is going to impa- impact how we feel. It's going to impact how we behave, how how we live and so really paying attention to our bodies listening to our bodies part of doing that is listening to our inner dialogue because the body is often responding to that conversation if I'm sitting ruminating about something I'm really worried and stressed about and I really pay attention I can my breath will change you know, breath will become more shallow, just mm-hmm. come down into the chest. It's not getting into the belly. Uh, muscle tension up in the neck, the shoulders, you know, the upper body, it literally will clench up. The body is always responding to our thoughts and vice versa. There's a wonderful book called When the Body Says No, The Cost of Hidden Stress by uh, Dr. Gaber Mate, a Canadian uh, physician. And in this book, he talks about this very thing that our body is always giving us information. And most of the time, we're only living from our neck up, thinking, 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 thinking about the past and maybe mistakes we made or regrets we have or, you know, thinking about when we got that injury in the first place or got that diagnosis of that illness or we're thinking about the future and worrying about what might happen or what might not happen, which can create feelings of anxiety and even depression and so quite often we're nowhere near our present moment experiences that's true we're distracted and when we do come into the present moment experience and pay attention listen to our bodies listen to our inner dialogue we get information that can help us 
that can help us to tap into our inner strength, help us respond better, help us make better choices. And all of that is really important for reducing chronic pain symptoms and not just the pain itself, but the other implications and impact that it can have on our lives, our self-confidence, our relationships, and so forth. That's so, so true. Yes, yes. And the brain is firing all the time under stress, and pain itself is stressful. We're constantly moving between that fight, flight, or freeze response that fight where we're just agitated and frustrated and, you know, all of that type of feeling and flight where we just might withdraw, isolate ourselves, uh, just try to get out of there, um, you know, ignore our bodies, ignore our pain and freeze. We're just numb. We're not, we're not, we're stuck. And so any of those responses can be going on multiple times a day in the physical body and as a result of our thoughts, our experiences, our stress levels and so forth. That's true. And have you, are you familiar with the quote, uh, your body hears everything your mind says? Yes. I, yeah. I think that was Naomi Judd. And uh, I've always loved that quote because it reminds me of, you know, the importance of why I need to continue to to journal. So, um, one of the other questions I want to ask you about this with the mindful journaling is there's all kinds of journals out there. I've even seen some that's online, you know, that you have to pay a fee to put your thoughts in there. How, what would you recommend for someone new to this, how to get started? And what would you say, the second part of that question is, what would you say to people who will say, well, I have intense chronic pain. How is putting pen to paper going to help reduce my pain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a couple of questions. One is the how is it going to yes. reduce pain? Um, and the other is around, you know, tools to use and how to get started. So there's a few questions in there. I'll start with the one around pen to paper and how is it going to reduce pain. What journaling can do is shift our relationship to our pain, how we think about it, how we feel about it, and that impacts our experience of the pain itself. Mm. And so I, if I sit, I, I always encourage people you know, do a scaling of your pain on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being not in any pain at all, um, 10 being, you know, just really high level of pain, very debilitating, don't even think I can pick up the pen, you know, and scale, what level of pain are you in in this moment? People paying attention to that and then actually have them do some writing okay. and writing about, their feelings. So for example, they could start with a prompt, right now I'm feeling and actually do some of that emotional unburdening or emotional identification. And then it's good to, you know, giving people instructions like just get a journal and write. 
For many people, the blank page is pretty daunting, or they don't know what to write about, or they don't know where to start, or they only ruminate. They write about the negative over and over and over again. Yes. And what we what we focus on grows, and just like what we said before, our thoughts will impact how we feel. So if we're just writing about all of the the negative over and over and over again, you know that can create not very good feelings. So it's good to get it out, and it's also good to write with some balance. You know, for example, write about uh, how are you coping. You know, write about your inner strength. Write about your resilience. You know. Uh, uh, there's so much about being in chronic pain that takes so much strength, so much courage and optimism to keep showing up, to try to live as fully as possible with the pain present. And it can feel very isolating and lonely. And so, you know, write in that journal about your strength. Write about the courage it takes and get in touch with the resilient story too not just the victim of chronic pain story. So you can have people scale their level of pain and then have them do some writing where they write about their thoughts and feelings in the moment. It can be a timed writing, so it doesn't need to go on for a long time. You want to consider things like pace and containment and structure so that it feels emotionally safe enough to write things down. And then have them scale again. We can do this for ourselves after writing for five or ten minutes about our thoughts and feelings, our experience. Pause and take a look at what's going on with that level of pain now. Has it changed? Is it higher? Is it lower? Because sometimes writing things down can actually stir our emotions Sometimes it can feel uncomfortable, yes. even painful. Yes. And, um, you know, so we need to, to take care of ourselves as well. The research on therapeutic writing, it's interesting. There's many people who have studied this and have asked two questions. If one is, can writing heal? Does it actually improve our health? And if so, in what ways? The other is, why does it heal? What is it about it that, that does that? And the research has shown, I would say fairly clearly, that writing can in fact help us heal. And there's still a lot of conversation about why that is the case. That answer isn't as clear yet. So we know that it does, and there's enough evidence across numerous scientific studies that prove the healing benefits of writing. Okay. Um, and uh, there's still lots of there's lots of theories and speculation about why it helps. Uh, and you know, some of those theories are in the in the land of psychology. Some of them are in more of the arts-based place around how language heals, how language impacts memory in the brain and so forth. So there's lots of complex theories of, of the answer to, to why it does, and there's good sound science that shows that it does. Thank you. If that, yeah. That was helpful. 
So in terms of how to get started, there, there's no, whether someone types on a computer, some people like to use journaling software or just type up, you know, where they can have a secure password to their online journal entries or pen to paper. The health benefits are shown to manifest in both mediums. That being said, people have to do what they're comfortable with. So some people can't sit at a computer with their chronic pain. Uh, some people can only sit for short periods of time. Some people may have very bad arthritis in their hands and mm-hmm. holding a pen might not be possible. Uh, some people overcome that by using voice activation software, for example, which is fairly easy these days on any iPhone or most people have access to different technology and literally you can push a button and start you know, talking and it will type it out for you. So there's ways to still, uh, you know, whether you have to write for a short period of time uh, and you don't have to write for a long time to get healing benefits. In my writing workshops, for example, we'll do a timed writing exercise for five minutes and many people are shocked at how in five minutes what they got out, how it made them feel, the benefit they experienced from doing the writing. So you don't have to write for hours and hours for you know this to be something that can offer benefit. Just hearing the five minutes, I mean, you're right. People would be amazed as to how much they could get done, you know, in five minutes because you're not asking to commit for a significant period of time. Yeah. And in fact... Our relationship with time and being willing to give time to ourselves for our health, for our wellness practices, is part of the chronic pain conversation. Because quite often people will say they don't have time. But what are we saying to ourselves if we don't have five minutes to care for ourselves? What, are, what What is that thought doing to how our body responds? What is it saying about our feelings of worthiness, of being deserving of care, of being deserving of time? And so that's a really great thing to write about in our journals. <laughs> yes, um, it is. You know, what is my beliefs about self-care and taking time for myself and for my health? and for my rest, and so forth. And why is it we're able to give and be present for other people, but not for ourselves? It's a great journaling prompt. Yes. You know, and and also getting into perspective of different points of view. We can write from different points of view in our journal. So, for example, you know, what would my eight-year-old self say about this right now you know what might my 85 year old self if I'm not 85 yet uh, you know say (laughs) about this yes and to get into some different perspectives what would the part of me that's not in pain like to say to the part of me that hurts you know and what do I need right now how can I meet that need Yes, definitely. These are these are all prompts 
that we can put down on the page and begin to explore through our journal writing practice. Yes. Thank you. Because we learn about showing up for ourselves long before we're adults. We learn about what it is to be cared for and loved and nurtured and responded to when we hurt or not, depending on our early childhood experiences. We learn about watching our parents and the adults around us. How did they care for their health? How did they, what were their views on rest and health and self-care? Even if they didn't voice them, what did we witness? Yes. That's true. And and what do we want now? Is it working how we care for ourselves? You know, we will abandon ourselves very easily. Think about if we're going to, for example, work out at the gym. If you're going to meet somebody there, chances are you're not just going to cancel on them. But if the only person you're committed to, to go to that gym workout is yourself, you know, you might find yourself watching TV instead or doing, you know, <laughs> checking Facebook out in the car instead of going in for the class. You know, we will avail on ourselves and our commitments to our own well-being uh, in some ways. And, and, you know, certain people maybe more than others or at certain times more than others. So part of how we deal with chronic pain is to show up for our full selves in the most loving, self-caring way that we can. And when we journal, the moment we go to the page, we are saying we're worthy of time. Yes. We're worthy of care. We're worthy of this conversation on the page. We're enough. Yes. Right here and now, what I'm going to say is enough. What I'm going to... And feelings of enoughness are really important in pain reduction. Yes, because there's a lot of times there's a lot of guilt and shame. Absolutely. And there's judgment. Yes. People judge. Oh, you can't, you know, you're sick again or you can't come again or you're always in pain or, you know, people get exasperated with other people's chronic pain. It's like, think of what it's like to live with it. Yes. (laughs) And then they judge you. Yeah. You know, they'll say, well, obviously, you're not taking care of yourself when they don't even know what you're doing. And taking care of ourselves when we're in pain can be a full-time job. It you have is. To think <laughs> you eat, what time you need for, you know, getting ready and how much rest. And if you'll get rest because you can't even get comfortable because you're in pain. Yes. Or you need a lot of sleep or you're on medications that make you need more sleep. It's so complex and everyone's experience is unique. And if it's met with compassion and empathy, it creates the conditions around us that help support our inner healing. Absolutely. If it's, you know, if it's surrounded by judgment and impatience, then we're more likely to feel that way ourselves. But if we can have experiences outside of ourselves that show understanding and empathy and care, it helps us to do that inside of ourselves too. That's why your show is so important, Nisi. Thank you, <clears throat> you Linda. Know, 
not just information, but it's inspiration. It's saying this matters. You matter. Your chronic pain matters. Yes. Here's some ways you can deal with it. It gives hope and um, you know, ideas and we need that. We need that anytime in our lives, ideally, but we really need it when we're in pain. That's true. And we, you're, you're right. Thank you for your wonderful remarks because that just goes to show and illustrate why we need to be kind to ourselves. You're worthy. You deserve it. You know, no one else is far more important than you. And oftentimes we put others before ourselves and we're at the bottom, you know, and others are at the top and uh, we need to take the time out to show more love to ourselves. And that's something that I had to learn. I'm going to be very honest about it, you know, because you find yourself in a race, you know, you're, you're on the job, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're running here and there doing this for everybody else, but then you're, you're burnt out and you have nothing else to give, let alone give to yourself. Yeah, and the beginning, you know, some of the early stages of burnout are self-neglect, are little subtle deprivations. Maybe we used to go for that walk and we don't anymore. Maybe we used to call that friend and have a nice conversation, but, you know, we stopped doing it because we're too busy or we don't feel good enough. And, you know, all these little things that, become subtle deprivations to our health and well-being, our care. And over time, they add up and really start to erode uh, our, you know, our health and, and well-being. So <clears throat> those are things to, even little gestures where we do the opposite. You know, how can I care for myself today? What's something I can do to nourish myself, to give my body what it needs, my mind what it needs, and to just really pay attention. You know, what do I want? What do I need? How can I meet that need? And just having that inner dialogue and even journaling about it starts to shift our relationship with ourselves and how we're caring. We can start fresh any moment right now. Yes. You know, maybe we've been, haven't been caring for ourselves for good reasons. We, you know, I look at my own life. I have two sons, 12 and 11, and I'm married and have a dog, and I have my mother's aging and has Alzheimer's. My father just passed away from Alzheimer's last fall. You know, my client caseload. There's never a shortage of places that outside of ourselves are needing, and that's a beautiful thing, are needing our care and attention and our love. And in order to really do that to the best of our ability, we must fill our own emotional cups too. We must have ways that restore and replenish the self. Thank you. Linda. Or eventually, you know, the mathematical equation. Yes. <laughs> if the output's so high and the input's too low over an extended period of time, we will pay some sort of price for that in our health, in our happiness. Thank you, Linda. We're running out of time, but uh, I definitely want you to come back because, you know, I've learned so much. In fact, Linda, every time I talk to you, <laughs> whether it's via phone or, or email when we're chatting, I learn so much from you. Now, tell our listeners how they can get in contact with you as well as learn about, you know, your courses and programs that you're offering. Yeah, well, the best place to go is 
uh, my new journaling community, the International Association for Journal Writing, and that can be found at IAJW.org. It's an acronym. And on that site, there is a free gift called Seven Servings of Journal Juice. (laughs) <laughs> and they're emails that come for seven days in a row with all kinds of journaling exercises and tips and inspiration and ideas for how to get started if you're new to journaling, how to deepen your journaling practice if you've been at it for years. And it's really meant to offer inspiration and inspiration to support you to write for wellness and personal growth. So I hope people will access that free gift and on that site, there's lots of ebooks and uh, online courses. Uh, I do one, uh, next one will start in April. I'm running it right now, a six-week writing for wellness salon. And it's a deep dive into the heart and art of writing for wellness. It's very supported and you get to go through it with a small group of other people who are also writing for wellness. And there's all kinds of resources there, but the free gift is a wonderful place to start. Okay, and do you want to give them your email address quickly before we run out of time? Because I want them to have that. Thank you. Sure. It's Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, at I-A-J-W dot org. And that's on the website as well. Well, Linda. Easy easy to find. And uh, I just want to put a big shout out of care and a big wave of love and compassion (laughs) and support around every single person who in this moment might be feeling pain physically or emotionally to know that you're wrapped in care. Thank you, Linda. Thank you so much. And thank you for being with me here today on the Pain-Free Zone. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Nisi.